All right, welcome to the Big Milkshake Podcast. We're doing something a little bit different today. Bianca's not able to make this episode, so she's handed the reins to me, so this could be a little bit interesting. Thankfully, um, there may be some editing magic that, that takes place from Bianca behind the scenes, but look, we'll do our best. We, we're we're going to have some fun and, and see where this goes. To kick us off, though, um, and potentially little edits, uh, what episode is this? <laughs> that's a really good catch alex this is episode three of the big milkshake podcast this is our our third episode yeah um, look we, things have changed it's we've progressed in the way we've done the podcast over the last couple of episodes and i'm it's changing again a little bit today with with me hosting i'm i'm really really excited with how this has come along it's it's a lot of fun we we have fun you know setting up the episodes and recording them and Talking to you guys and hearing the feedback's always great to to read. We decided um, if you follow along to our monthly newsletter, we we do um, the shake up over on thebigmilkshake.co, um, which is our monthly roundup of news and updates from the two nineteen team on the the things that we're working on at the moment and what we've got upcoming. We've decided we've been writing that now for. I think just over two years, Alex, that was about how long I think we calculated. But we're going to do something a little bit different now. We're not entirely sure the final form of this, but we have some some plans. Alex will talk about those in a minute. But I kind of like the idea of sharing some of that information at the start of these podcast episodes and being able to have a discussion. Because usually when we're we're sharing this info, it's it's us talking to you guys and just just writing down our thoughts and sharing it. But now it's an opportunity for us to have a little bit of a discussion about it. Uh, but as I alluded to, yeah, we've been working on something that could potentially help with how we share this information, Alex. Yeah, it's been um, a very exciting little project we started. We've taken the time to recycle some timber and build what is essentially a, uh, a little filming set based on the interior of the Hammer and Crown, the fictitious inn from our game Kingless. Right now, it's lovely. Um, there's a bar in the foreground. We've got some handmade ironwork up on the walls. We've got wonderful shelf. And we really styled everything after what you might see in the Hammer and Crown, which incidentally sort of is, a, is the wall behind me. We thought that would be a fantastic place to film a few videos very similar to this, as well as our updates. You'll be seeing a lot more of that coming forward. Um, hopefully not too long until you get the first of them. We're still, you know deep into building the 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 set and you know we we've got shelves that are half up at the minute and we're missing a lot of props that we're actually building a lot of the things ourselves so the whole set we've built ourselves as alex said with some old reclaimed timber that we're sort of burning and getting to look rustic mm. like the hammer and crown and then we're we're trying to find some old bottles and things that resemble items that are in the hammer and crown within kingless we're building like the tip jar and we've got some awesome wool sconces that you've made, Alex, um, and some other props that we're going to hang on the wall eventually when we when we get them finished. Yeah, there was a big push when we were making all of that to, um, to keep it authentic to the Hammer and Crown's mm. feel, which for the most part meant that we couldn't just run out uh, and buy it. Because if it, if it looks like something that you have at home or you've seen at Bunnings or um, Home Depot, then... Then you you know where that's from. You know what that is. That's that's just innately familiar to you. But if it's something I've made at home, or seven, I build a shelf together and knock that up, or we get an antique bottle or a bit of earth, you know, stoneware, 
then then it really looks it looks the part and it feels right. Mm. Yeah, it does. I'm really proud with how it's coming along. I can't wait. We, we've shared a couple of pictures actually in the latest shakeup that we posted um, a few days ago. There's there's a picture in there of the three of us standing inside the the hammer and crown um, in its current form. But yeah, lots of video content to to come from that in the future. And I think that is how we will sort of share these monthly shakeup sort of dev blogs of things that we're working on and uh, upcoming projects and things like that. We've got, we got a lot going on and I just want to be able to share it in a digestible format. Speaking of a lot of things going on, we have started building um, our first app, something that we've, we've been talking about for years. And when we were writing the, the original rules for Kingless, this was something that we'd sort of thought about, you know, when you're, coming up with who plays your game first we've got the unique or you know that we have the the shortest person goes first written within the, the rules of kingless and that was something that is now written in those rules forever and it will forever be that way unless you know house rules you you choose how you want it to be you know change that up absolutely but we play an awful lot of kingless obviously with the upcoming Festival of Explosions expansion, we are playing an awful lot of Kingless. And as the shortest of three, while we're still testing in this development phase, it's mainly just three or four of us with Bianca involved occasionally, a lot of rounds are started off by myself. So, you know, we want to, or we wanted to come up with a different way of doing that. And we'd often just throw out silly phrases that we could use, you know, the the last person to to go for a jog or something like that last person to drink a glass of water anything and that would sort of change it up a little bit as to to who goes first so we've decided to build this into an app the app's going to be called decide on and in its simplest form it will present to you a new phrase every time you you press a button it will generate pull up a phrase a, a previously created all, all the phrases are a handmade by us and hosted and it will pull them straight back to your device so you'll always be able to have a a fresh new way of starting off not only kings but but any game you're playing if you want to to change it up playing any game you know we we spoke about skull that we recently played and before we started that round we used decide on a few times before each round to decide who goes first is a lot of fun we've had a lot of fun building this too it's Oh, I've said it before, but my background's been in in technology and and developing apps and things like that. And Kingless was a step away from that for me. And now we're going back to it, and it's kind of fun, and I enjoy it. And it's it's a it's not a replacement for the physical games that we're building by any means, but it's a really nice companion to those. Well, um, on the note of decide on, uh, we used it for Skull, but I used it myself just the other night when deciding who should play um, first in a round of uh, a game called Greed, um, which was very interesting to play for the first time. And it worked great. You know, it's it, it's just a really snappy way to um, decide who goes first. And some of these answers we put in, um, these phrases, are just really, really quite fun to put to a table and see who, who they fit. Yeah, there is the side benefit that they can cause some interesting conversations. <laughs> the, the, the base version, so when we fully launched the app, um, later on this year, um, the app will launch with about 300 base phrases that will be included. 
Um, and then we're going to have packs of additional phrases that will be tailored around a theme. You know, we've got like a spooky theme pack and we have a, th a Kingless themed pack that will have tailored phrases that if you wanted to try something a little bit different rather than something generalized, you'll be able to turn those on and off and have a more tailored approach. Nathan, do you want to give us an update on the Festival of Explosions? Yeah, it's been coming along really well. We've just got to our new version, so really happy with how it's coming through. And we're going to start start bringing in some sort of wider spread playtesting now, bringing in some friends and family, start to expand the circle a little bit, start to let the, the secrets and the new action texts out, the new card type. Hmm... So it's going to be very exciting to move to that stage of development now because it's coming together really well. I'm stoked with how well it's playing and what it adds to the base game. So we're going to be really close to, I think, getting yeah more into a refinement and polishing stage, which is very fun to get to. I'm dying to share some of these new mechanics that we've got. I've just been waiting for ages and ages and ages to to share some of this and we're getting really close now and i can't wait to start talking about it and playing with with some of you guys as well public play tests will happen very soon sort of i'm going to steal the fun your thunder a little bit here brown but we will be attending pax pax australia and um, in october this year yeah one of the best moments of uh, of kingless was sharing it with with everyone um reading some of the uh, reviews and things lately has just been fantastic yeah we've had some really nice reviews coming in I, I i love seeing how people are playing and just sharing their you know their stories of games of kingless that they've played with others and family and things like that it's, it's amazing just being able to make something and, and share it with people and know that they're enjoying it is it just blows my mind every time that's the that's a little bit of a dev update from us a little bit of what's going on in our shake-up we should move on to the main show we really wanted to to share some of our how how do i say it some of our experience with kickstarter absolutely um yeah yeah the takeaways that we've had and potentially help people who are thinking of doing something similar if you've you've got an idea and taking it to crowdfunding whether it be kickstarter or another platform we wanted to share some of that so alex let's kick off why did we choose kickstarter weirdly kickstarter wasn't something that we set out with um a set of criteria and found we actually set out with the idea of making a game and putting it on kickstarter which isn't to say we didn't look around at alternatives but we had heard so many good things about tabletop games manufacturers being able to do this with um you know their their first project and, and we figured that was part of uh, what we would we would do so it's, it's a known platform for tabletop games funding um fans of tabletop games are there whoever's listening i implore you to go to kickstarter now and look under the games section you will see uh yeah, just an endless wave of creativity and indeed skill some of these games are tremendously well put together I think it's important as well that these are not just huge game studios that are, you know, launching on Kickstarter. There are a lot of them are single person development studios or people similar to us that, you know, a group of friends that have come up with an idea and, and built it and are trying to raise funds to actually take it to market. And 
it's such a fantastic opportunity to to step those programs and those games into into more than just an idea yeah the size of some of the smaller projects actually is really inspiring um every year they run zine quest mm. which sorry i believe it's zine quest actually but every year they get very small rpg focus projects in and the scale of some people's dreams or the idea that they have to share really can be as small as you can encapsulate all those ideas in some of them um it only takes a few hundred dollars to get that out two people that believe in it and genuinely want to have fun with it and that's something the kickstarter can allow yeah i mean there's there's inherent risks with it and shipping at the moment is you know something that's on the back of everybody's mind at the moment not not only in kickstarter projects but literally everything at the moment mm. you know shipping is is a nightmare what what do we just share with me alex what we sort of did when we put the kickstarter together some of the early days when we were initially building so right from the get-go we knew we wanted to use um something called a pledge manager um now that's a sort of um another another interface between you um and your many backers um you can do lots of things with these but the main reason to use one is shipping um because you can charge shipping to each backer based on where they are or, um, or, or you know, the exact time that you're preparing to fulfill. Otherwise, you need to do fairly significant um, bulk charges through Kickstarter, which is slightly inflexible. Um, Kickstarter takes a percentage then of that shipping amount, so you need to charge your backers more. And no one's excited about paying for shipping. That um, there's not one person on earth, I'm convinced, that goes, "Yes, I'd, I'd like to pay more for shipping." That's yeah. what I'm yeah. into. <laughs> I mean, um, I think like you, yeah. you covered it off there, but it's important to note that that Kickstarter do have facilities to to do this built in, and you know that if you really want to make it simple and part of the package, that you know Kickstarter handles it all, and it's it's a lot easier when you're perhaps just shipping to or planning a Kickstarter to your own country, let's say, but if you're looking to to ship globally or you have backers from all around the world looking into a pledge manager is yeah i recommend it. it it helped us a lot it made things a lot more flexible for us and for the backers as well it made made things easier run a little mm. bit smoother yes of course because we had backers um all over the world which was mm. um really fantastic to see but it did uh, it did mean that we had quite a complex uh shipping solution in the end yeah yeah so other things we did in the lead up to the kickstarter um advertising is really important um you can have the best thing in the world you just but if you don't drag eyes across it, uh, it really won't move. Um, and I imagine that's just a great tragedy out there. There will be dozens and dozens of fantastic projects that people just don't yeah. see. Yeah. So we had to reach into the pockets and shell out a bit of money for advertising. Now, we did that through the service responsible for our pledge manager, um, and that was actually fantastic. It dragged um, loads of people across the project, and a fair number of them actually decided to stick um, and ended up supporting the project. One other thing we set up for our Kickstarter was different pledge levels. Um, mm. We set out with a base game because inherently we've made um, something fairly straightforward. We made a game, Kingless. That's one of the tiers, a base game. We then did a limited edition game and a very unique third tier where you can actually get yourself um, as a card written into the game, um, but clearly at a, uh, at a much higher price point. That was only for people that really 
were excited by that idea and believed in the project um, to perhaps the fullest extent that you could. And we had a couple um, at that level. I mean, we can't share details. If you can, if you can figure out the cards, you know, within Kingless, then great. But we're not going to share which ones they are. But we did have we did have a couple of people that were backers at that tier, which was mm. so exciting being able to work them directly and help them craft their character and inject a little bit of their personality into our game as well. It was so nice after developing all these characters to have um, have a bit of a fresh a fresh perspective and a yeah, little um, absolutely a little new take injected into the game, which we meshed well with everything else that was there. But that was that was really nice. That brings us stretch to stretch goals. goals. Yeah. Mm. So stretch goals are a fun little way to motivate your backers to share your project um, far and wide to try to get more backers into the projects to get the total number higher. Because the more money you raise, the more things become possible, really. So we started off having little bits of art done for each of the stretch goals. One of these is my favorite bit of art, almost entirely from the Kingless universe. Um, and that is the unicow, a little highland cow with uh, with one horn. We set one of these very low so that it would be reached easily because we really wanted to include it. And that was some upgraded cardstock. We also then had another target for five additional cards which we felt would really round off the gameplay nicely. And at this higher amount, that was um, that was easy to reach and have printed and incorporated into the game. So I was really, really chuffed when we managed to reach that target as well. The, the cardstock was a huge one for me, and I know it was for you as well, Nathan, making sure that we, we always set out to create a high-quality product. But that tactile feel when you're just holding the cards and so much of the weight of the game is in what you're holding and playing with in your hands... That that was really important for us, and that's mm. you do get some games, um, and you'll have the deck of cards in it, and they just seem to get grotty fairly quickly. So upgrading that card yeah. stock actually, you know, provides a bit of longevity to your playing. So yeah, yeah, I don't want to trash yeah. talk any games openly, but I can think of one <laughs> quite recently with a deck, a certain co-op um, sort of trick-taking game where. The cards got played with a lot in a short time and they just started getting sticky and not nice. They don't last. No. Yeah. Yeah. So while we knew that, and this was a stretch goal for us, we were, even if we didn't meet the stretch goal, we would have found a way to have moved up into that better card stock, I think. It was really important yes. for us to yeah, make sure I... that that was going to be there. We were a stone's throw from reaching into our pocket and you know and funding that one ourselves. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You want to put out it's... the best thing you can, and this was a project that you know we poured our hearts and souls into. So you don't want it to be, oh yeah, let's have the bare minimum stock here, and you know take a bit of pride yep. in your own creation. So we're stoked that we could. That is one thing you get with these you know, crowdfunded Kickstarter sort of games, you get these smaller creators, much like ourselves, who are really passionate about their projects. The idea of reaching into your pocket and spending your own hard-earned to make someone else's uh, game that they're going to receive and play with better would be would be interesting um, for a larger corporation to, to take as an approach. But um, And I think that lends into our approach throughout development of kingless you know we we always said that we we were going to build kingless as far as we could physically get 
self-funding this whole project and we wanted to take a finished and polished game to kickstarter that we could show off and you know raise additional funds to then take to to manufacture and and distribute globally around the world and that's what we did you know we 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 did we threw our our own capital into to this idea before we even went to kickstarter i think that's really important for a first project because you know the the customers or the backers they don't know who you are they don't know you know if if they can trust you essentially so the fact that we could put forward a good looking good looking product we had all the art or you know most of it at least 90 percent really sorted by that time and we could present like this is real you know we're legitimate (laughs) which it's yeah i'm exactly right it like communication is is key and being able to show people that you are here to to build a an actual product around this and and a proper product um as opposed to potentially just throwing something together and trying to get some money for it actually on the note of communication that was something else we set out to do we knew that um you know we had to be really responsive as a kickstarter you know to build that confidence yeah. and also just to, to meet a standard that we'd like to receive you know the old golden rule you know treat others as you'd like to be treated so we messaged every backer and every time we we received a message we we always got back as quick as we could with the best information we could and that's just a huge focus throughout we wanted to make certain that our communication was top notch and being open as well um sharing details on you know shipping delays manufacturing delays if they happened make sure backers were aware of the exact process that we were going through obviously you you can't share every single detail but being as open as you possibly can just makes it the process easier for everyone it's a makes it more of a positive experience i think mm. i mean obviously we tried to mitigate any of these risks throughout the process as much as we could but you know things things happen covid <laughs> for those of you that aren't yeah, in the know COVID. On, oh yeah well we didn't include that in our um, our initial risk assessment when we approached <laughs> this. We'll see that one. We're sorry. No, <laughs> no. But there is a section on Kickstarter where you uh, do actually list the risks for your project and you explain how you've met them or how you've addressed them to every one of your backers. Um, and I was reviewing them recently, and I was actually really pleased to see how well we measured up against them because doing all of that artwork for the actual game, working with known manufacturers, known parties with excellent multi-year reputations in the industry we really took every step we could uh, to mitigate every one of those risks uh, to the fullest extent possible obviously anything could happen um a global pandemic the likes of which we've not seen for 100 years could come but um that is what it is it's probably a good segue alex to sort of lean into some of the things that we could potentially have done better in this i think it's really important when we're reviewing the work that we've done to to understand where we could have improved things we could have done better i don't actually think it's 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 a great learning experience to take away from this and i know we we had a few uh, there's always things we can improve on and we're we're always trying to improve on everything we do um some of them you know <laughs> we've mentioned the pandemic obviously that we we can't control but when we were initially trying to present the idea of kingless we we shed a lot of gameplay footage and our initial um 
opening video was was beautifully crafted and really well made telling the story our story of of how we came to create the project but we kind of missed a fundamental point i believe in this and this was shared by some of our backers that we didn't really do a video demonstration of how the game actually played we had amazing b-roll of people playing the game and having a wonderful time playing it but we didn't truly explain in-depth mechanics or uh, like an actual playthrough of the game yeah exactly like um as potential backers and spending their spending their hard-earned they do want to know whether they're even mm. going to enjoy it or not yeah um yeah. So we, we scrambled to see what we could do to give them a really down-to-earth idea of how the actual game plays out um, and, and see whether it fit their style. Um, I'll jump now, in. I'll jump in, Alex. We oh, were yes. smack bang in the middle of lockdown yeah. at this point. You know, we couldn't even get together to to try and record some gameplay footage. And we <laughs> we we quickly roped Nathan in to do a voiceover of some gameplay. We we played some some rounds of Kingless using um, Tabletop Simulator. And Nathan did a really good voiceover really explaining commentary skills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Explaining some of the gameplay. Try to do it in one take too. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is hard to record a multi-minute example of something uh, flawlessly. But, you know, you, you did your best. And it did give people a bit of an idea as to how Kingless actually plays out, what the rules are. We had them um, written as another document, which, interestingly enough, is yet another thing we wouldn't do that way again. Because we were able to share with people a plain text version of the rules. Because we were we were tinkering with the final wording of these. Not necessarily with how the rules worked, but in how everything we wrote could be interpreted. Because we wanted people to to read this and get a correct understanding first time no matter who they were, their background, mm. or, you know, or, or their ability. So context and, and the, the nuance of the words you use just became very important to us. So what we had was a plain text version of the rules, not the fully formatted, beautiful version that we ended up packaging in each of the boxes, which, looking back, I, I, I would hold out until we had that, um, that finalised, fully processed, nice-looking version to go with them. Yeah, that leads into the marketing side of it, making sure that, you know, we can present our best foot forward and being able to share that confidence. Not necessarily, not, you know, I'm not suggesting the rules weren't confidence inspiring, but at that stage, going in with something more polished would have been a better approach, I believe. Pledge Tears was, again, as our, this was our first time on Kickstarter, first time running a Kickstarter campaign. So we were sort of still trying to find our feet around different pledge tiers and stretch goals and things like that. After the feedback, the huge amount of feedback that we had from our backers and people who were, were interested in the campaign, we we missed the boat on that one. We, we should have had more options. Um, and this is something we will take away in the future and, and look into. But yeah, being able to give people more freedom and flexibility, I believe, you know. Yeah, exactly. In, it's in an the interesting way example. It's, it's not something that we did we did wrong or, or didn't do necessarily to its fullest. But Kickstarter, um, yeah, gamers on Kickstarter love these higher tiers. Um, people responded really well to mm. our limited edition tier. And we were just thinking, you know, throughout the whole Kickstarter that we wished we had more tiers to give them. 
because just because they responded so well uh, and there was so much enthusiasm for spending a bit more to support the project and uh, get something unique and something a little bit special. So it wasn't all doom and gloom, though. We we had some good takeaways, I think, from the whole project. We successfully manufactured and distributed Kingless all around the world to all of our backers, for example. You know, we had um, three, 388 backers uh, on the Kickstarter campaign. We reached over 200% of our funding goal, which was amazing. We're like just blown away by it. I still still can't believe it. Like two years later that we managed to do that. And, you know, everyone had the confidence. All of our backs had the confidence in us, in our product and Kingless and yeah, amazing. I'm still blown away by it. Yeah, for, for, for a first project, I'm always, yeah. I'm just still impressed. Grateful, really. Absolutely, yeah. It's like, you know, it's turned 219 from an idea and a concept into our company and given us the freedom to be able to build more projects and all of the things that we're currently working on. Alex, tell us a little bit about some of our backers. They were very, very dedicated people. Um, Lots of them engaged the project in just fantastic ways. Um, They stepped up, commented, they messaged us. We had some lengthy conversations with some of them. Uh, A few of them we kept having email conversations with long after the project, just staying in touch and talking. Many of them ended up coming from Kickstarter itself. We were in contact with some, um, some staff members from Kickstarters because you do while you run a project. And the percentages of people coming through from Kickstarter, just browsing and seeing Kingless mm. and, you know, seeing it and pledging. I, I, I can't quite remember the exact percentages, but I, I believe it was something like 20% higher than they, they typically expect. So we were, um, we were very happy with that. And then the, uh, the sheer passion that some of these people were able to bring forward. Many of them had great ideas for ways that we could take the Kingless idea. Sadly, none of which we took advantage from, but that was because of how far we'd already developed the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the creative mind of some of these fans um, and their ability to maybe string some mechanics together and things like it's a wonder that some of them haven't gone off and created their own game. I'm sure a few of them have by now. Yeah. And often some of these backers of ours were also developers um, of games themselves, you know, as we are when we back other projects on, on Kickstarter, it's, you know, we know exactly what it's like to be on the other side of the fence and be able to, have people passionate about your project is awesome but yeah i mean we we got so much positive feedback from the whole process the comments we got were amazing as you said a lot of them flowed into social media after kickstarter had finished moved us you know through to the next phase of of our company and being being able to continually sell and promote kingless worldwide yeah, in particular, I enjoyed reading some of the um, comments they left on the Kickstarter today because, of course, um, anyone who's familiar with Kickstarter knows that your project actually stays up there um, yeah. as, as sort of a record of what has happened. And, and reading through some of them saying how great they thought the project was or how much they enjoyed the game, um, it, it's just fantastic to see once you put something in their hands. Brown, what was your favourite part of the Kickstarter process? Ooh. I mean, it's... Just when we hit 100%, like, whoa, what a feeling, you know? That was, yeah. I can't, yeah. that was definitely the peak. Although, you know, hitting 200% just before the end, that was good too. But uh, you can't, can't outrate 
the what, what did we actually end on? Like 203% oh, yeah. or something. It was it just, might, just over. 202, 201. It was, mm-hmm. it was, it was a hair's just, more. Just over. Yeah. I, I agree. It was a, what a feeling. It was amazing. Just knowing, you know, halfway through that we were funded and it was like, wow, this is actually yeah. happening now. It's going to happen. Amazing. Right. On mm. the side, we had that, I think it was through the back, uh, or the um, pledge manager or, um, it played like mm. we'd be online working on it, obviously all, and then it played music every time you got a backer. That's a little <laughs> smoky. I love that. You're just there tapping away, yeah. working away at it, and then the music goes. You're like, yes. You play some sounds. Every one of that them. was great. I completely forgot wow. about that. Yeah. If I remember correctly, Seb, you put a um, the monitor in your office. You had that up with a uh, sort of a big dashboard to call it a dashboard showing the project for the entire length of the project i don't know whether that was very good for my mental (laughs) health that was was quite a stressful i I don't know it was great but when it hit three just you were just number watching could never stop looking at it (laughs) no i remember the um the first night we launched actually may have been one of my um one of my favorite moments just just putting it live watching an initial surge of people come in and, and the sheer enthusiasm of everyone that had uh, decided to do it the first day um, and put it on there, notify me when uh, when it launched. Yeah. Um, that that was a heady time. There is the risk of uh, you know the fear of a creator as you uh, watch whether it will fund or not. Because um, we set a very realistic target that covered all the risks. You don't really want these people that set a target so low mm. they run into issues with funding. So we we set a very realistic target and. Um, we were pretty confident after the first day that it was going to make it to that target, even with it set quite quite high, as, as largely thanks to the enthusiasm of those early of those early supporters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think my favourite moment throughout the Kickstarter process was just communicating with our backers, having those conversations, being able to hear people's thoughts and the challenges that we had. You know, we had so many comments, like like we said earlier about people wanting to know how the game played but then that was for us well how do we how do we quickly turn this around and we produce stuff so unbelievably quickly to to get it into people's hands and the speed that we did that they were so grateful for it and it was great to be able to see the reaction of people to know that we are here to you know provide as much information as we can as best we can and as quickly as we can it was great the, the, just the feedback we got from the fans and the backers and, and everyone who who enjoys the project, amazing. Such yeah, a good that feeling. was excellent. Great. Okay, we're going to wrap up here, I think. Hopefully next time we will be back with Bianca to run the show. Um, oh, I think you've done all right, this wasn't Sam. too stressful. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see when the episode comes out. But how do we finish this thing? Follow us yes. on the socials. Follow us on all of our pipes. Um, we're on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Check out Facebook. episode two if you haven't already. Episode two will be out tomorrow. Boom, boom. We'll have a lot more information on our upcoming club, Club 219, where you'll be able to get a lot more behind the scenes. And yeah. Don't forget to visit if us you want anything, at PAX. Get along. Come and see us at PAX. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye-bye.